Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, where we are about to discuss the greatest day in Canadian basketball history. You know what? No, the greatest day in Canada's history and how R.J. Barrett made it happen. Canada knocks off Team USA. We get into it now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day that you're now available on all platforms that includes on YouTube. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and hit that notifications bell to be sure you never miss an episode. And also, make sure you do the same on the audio side so you never miss an episode there. If you want to text us, if you're if you're a little bit of a creep and you say, you know what, I want to get a little bit more personal with Alex and Gavin, you can now do so on subtext. All you have to do is hit the link in the episode description and uh, you can text us and we will text you our thoughts after every single Knicks game, the latest Knicks rumors, all that fun stuff. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I want to apologize right off the top if you're uh, watching this on YouTube and it looks like a a very poorly stage directed hostage video. I do not currently have my podcasting gear on me due to me uh, forgetting it at my mom's house. Um, so, 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 so uh, we are rolling forward as is Canada knocks off team USA. 127 to 118 was nearly um, very similar to um, I guess more so the Lithuania game, a little, a little bit the Germany game um, where the U S nearly had a miraculous win um, in the game's closing moments, uh, Mikhail Bridges uh, went one with, with the U.S. down four with less than four seconds left, um, got to the line, made the first free throw, missed the second free throw, which ricocheted out to the corner. He got it back, drained a corner three to send things into overtime. You would think the U.S. would have had all the momentum that would have spurred them. was not the case. Shea Gilgis-Alexander continued to pick them apart as he did all night to the tune of 31 points, 12 assists, and six rebounds. And it was uh, Reginald Jarrett. Barrett, I know it's not his real name, I just, I just thought it'd be funny, um, who hit the dagger in this one under a minute left. Uh, Team USA, as they've been doing often in the second half, was leaving anyone um, not named SGA wide open, and RJ uh, made the U.S. pay with, with a game-winning three, which was, um, as much as I was rooting for the U.S. in this one, pretty cool to see him have that moment. RJ's... Um, Kind of ultimate breakout as a high school prospect was a pretty iconic 38-point game to slay the United States in an under-18 um, national tour, or sorry, international tournament. And uh, this kind of feels like the full circle moment of that. Him hitting that shot, having such a great game, 23 points, seven rebounds, eight of 16 from the field, four for eight from three, three for four from the line. Uh, again, would have been in the mix for the MVP for Canada if not for Shea, if not for. Dylan Brooks uh, somehow dropping 39 points, five assists, and four rebounds on the U.S. Again, it was it was a wild game that basically encapsulated uh, everything that's gone wrong in this tournament for the U.S. They were without a bunch of key contributors. Uh, no Brandon Ingram in this one. No Jaron Jackson Jr. And you, you could certainly feel, um, even though 
neither of those guys was great defensively in this tournament. You, you felt the loss of size um, at various points. Walker Kessler, I know I was advocating for him to play more. Did not make the difference that I was hoping he would make. Um, maybe it would have made a more substantial difference against a team that played through their bigs a little bit more and didn't have a finisher um, as hyper elite as SGA is. But he couldn't really affect stuff at the rim to the extent that I was hoping he would. And probably the bigger issue was just the, the point of attack defense for the U.S. was pretty much non-existent. And it, it was kind of funny in the second half, the U.S. coaching staff, or really as soon as the second quarter, basically started acknowledging that and said, all right, we're just going to kind of go to some gimmicks, try to muck things up. A lot of double teams, a lot of three-quarters court press. Um, we're doing everything possible to force the ball out of Shea Gilgis-Alexander's hands. And that might have worked, if not for, again, an all-time shooting performance from Dylan Brooks, who who was just scalding hot, and, and the U.S. never really respected it, and they paid for it as, as Brooks went seven for eight from three-point range over the course of this game. Um, I'm going to do deeper dives on RJ, Jalen, and Josh in the final two segments of this podcast. I, I wanted to just um, kind of do a wrap-up of, of this tournament run. I know, I know I sort of did it when the U.S. lost to Germany, but there, there was just a lot of fun stuff in this game. Um, I want to give, I know it's, I know it's tough because he's a Brooklyn net, but I want to give a quick salute to Mikhail Bridges. Um, that shot was massive finished with 19, nine and four in this game. I, I think he was, and, and this is, this is saying a lot about him and, and you know, we will, we'll, we'll talk a little Jalen Brunson here in, in this context. He took less off the table than any other player on this American team, even Anthony Edwards. Cause I think Ant took a little bit off with, just how ball dominant he was at times. And at other times, Ant was awesome and just made the right play over and over and over again. But it was, it was a bit ball dominant. Mikhail was largely unselfish, largely a really good defender, um, just an exceptional shot maker, both from the mid-range, from distance, and, and even showed off some physicality around the rim. I came away really impressed with him. And, and honestly, a, along with Ant, like those are the two guys that I would say are, are far and away the surest bets to appear on the Olympic team next summer um, because they, I mean, Mikhail's just a, a perfect fit in any context and Ant has the talent to do it. And, and that's an interesting statement on, on the difference in the context of FIBA basketball versus NBA basketball. I got into this a little bit last show, but I, I think it's worth harping on a little bit with Jalen Brunson, right? Because on the Knicks, his, his content is his content. His context is, is pretty self-evident, right? He, he's the go-to scorer, the creator of everything, the, the, the son of the Knicks universe. And when he doesn't have that on Team USA, when, when he's not as ball dominant, like he inherently loses a whole lot of his value because, again, it could be him standing in the corner or it could be someone like Quinn Grimes standing in the corner. And there really isn't a difference unless they're going to have time to create off the catch when they get the basketball. And defensively, there, there's a massive difference between those guys. And, and I was actually pretty certain at the start of this tournament, the way Steve Kerr was talking about Jalen Brunson, that they were almost borderline ready to make him the face of the American basketball program, which is kind of a startling rise for someone who was a little bit of an afterthought heading into the 2022 playoffs for the Dallas Mavericks. Not an, an afterthought is overstating it, right? But certainly not a star in the NBA by any means. And, and he went from that to maybe the face of USA basketball for World Cup, which is, is incredible, right? Because generally that's a spot reserved for Hall of Famers. But coming out of this tournament, I kind of question if Jalen has a future in international basketball. Maybe it'll be as more of a spark plug guard off the bench, but in the context they use him, like he is 
a lot less essential. And and another thing that I saw, um, Skyfall, which is a great um, account on Twitter who, who kind of discusses biomechanics stuff. I'm, I'm totally blanking on his handle. So I apologize. He pointed out um, the three-second rule or the lack of three-second rule in FIBA kind of negates some of Brunson's advantage. I mean, his ability to just get into the lane and, and, and bully other guards. And we've seen him go to that at points and be effective doing it. But when a big is allowed to just be stationed around the rim, um, all of a sudden those shots get a little bit more difficult. And you, you also see um, not that Brunson struggles moving the ball, right? Because he had some amazing passes in this in this game. But it's kind of funny how like there were, and this is this maybe a lot of people turn off after, turn this podcast off after I say this, but it's kind of a sacrilegious statement. He was in some ways the Julius Randle of this offense in that he he's a good passer and he's pretty unselfish, but it was very meticulous a lot of times in terms of how he made reads. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes he would just make a quick extra pass, but he had to be the one dictating it. Like, like he had one of the better sequences of this game where he pump faked his way um, past it, or it wasn't even a pump fake. It was like a pretty nasty hesitation dribble, completely froze Lou Dort, got by him, lefty hook pass into the corner to Josh Hart, who tapped it over to Anthony Edwards for three. So that was sort of the good version of it. But a lot of times when he got assists, it was after a lot of dribbling. And, and when you have so many shoot first guys and you do that a couple of possessions in a row, you're just not going to touch the ball as much. And we, we saw that at times where, I don't want to say he was iced out, but there, there were times where Brunson was sitting there in a corner. You could tell he was just itching and saying, all right, come on, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. He's just watching Anthony Edwards go one on three. And, and to Ant's credit, a lot of times one on three turned out pretty well. And he was he was scored pretty efficiently. But that, that was kind of the reason that Brunson was getting iced out a little bit. Wasn't as effective as you normally would. And I honestly, I didn't really blame um, Steve Kerr for trying to close with uh, Halliburton and Reeves, guys who um, are, are, I mean, Halliburton's not the caliber score that Brunson is Reeves uh, could be close to that this year, but just, just slightly quicker decision makers, even though Halliburton in particular really played poorly down the stretch offensively and, and in, in part um, cost the United States th this game. And, and, and look, I mean, the, the biggest issues at the end of the day, again, the U S scored 111 points in regulation. That should, that should be enough to win. Just, just zero, zero defense. And that I, 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 it's, it's kind of stunning to me that a coaching staff that has Eric Spolster on it and Steve Kerr, for that matter, Golden State perennially a top-notch defensive team, um, couldn't establish more of a defensive culture. Part of that is, of course, like the guys they're playing. But you look at the starting lineup they had today. Like Bridges is nominally an elite defender. Josh Hart, nominally a pretty good defender. Anthony Edwards in this tournament, great point of attack defender. Walker Kessler, one of the five best shot blockers on planet Earth. Like, I, I know the personnel, like when, when they were trying to roll out Halliburton, Reeves, and Brunson at the times, wasn't great, but that should be enough to get things done defensively. And then just too many missed free throws at points. Like Edwards missed a bunch of key ones down the stretch. He only went five for eight. I was disappointed. Cam Johnson got to the line. He missed two. This was just this was a crummy tournament for him, and I really like him as a player. It was just tough. Um, Reeves was great from there. Portis was great from there. Bridges missed a couple of big ones late. Like he, he had a four point play when RJ or would have had a four point play when RJ fouled him, just, just missed the free throw. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done harping on the negative and harping on where team USA struggled. I want to get into um, RJ Barrett and his incredible performance and, and what we should take away from his world cup and how it will translate to the Knicks this season. Um, but before I do that, I got to tell you about our buddies over at I bought a, Finally taking that summer vacation you've been planning, but dreading buying all the necessities before you take off. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. 
so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. It's that easy. The average I bought a user, this is an incredible number. They earn $120 per year. That's a Knicks ticket. I, I would go do it just for that. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use the cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, or again, a Knicks ticket. That game you're dying to go to, Knicks, or a fancy dinner you've been craving, you earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 off just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCK when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCK. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Player App Store and use code LOCKED. All righty. Uh, RJ Barrett, um, he was... He was really good in this game. Had a couple of fun moments. I'll, I'll start with the negative because I'm, I'm, always, I'm always kind of negative with RJ. Um, Jalen Brunson locked him up twice. Uh, there was one play where RJ had him in the post and Brunson just, I maybe this is giving Brunson too much credit to say he pulled the chair a little bit, but RJ kind of like yeeted the shot a little bit, went up a little bit too early, missed the lefty layup, which, which you, you normally never really see him miss. And then had another one in transition where he tried the Euro on Brunson. And one of the announcers nailed it perfectly. He said, Brunson knows exactly what he's going to do in that situation. And Brunson anticipated it, didn't fall for it at all, got to the right spot. And, and RJ still probably scores on that play, but it held him up just enough that Reeves and Anthony Edwards were able to get there. I can't remember if they blocked the shot or altered it, but it was a really nice recovery on that play. Uh, but then the good stuff with RJ was, as always, just the confidence, right? He was forcing the issue early, attacking the basket, did a really nice job getting inside the lane. Slipping a pass in um, to Dwight Powell like that. I, I, for those of you who have been longtime fans of this podcast, you know that is um, pretty consistently one of my favorite parts of RJ's game. His interior passing, his his love of that Steve Nash little like hook slip pass on the paint makes sense. He's his godfather. He's probably was learning that one since he was in diapers. But that was a whole lot of fun. Um, hit a step back mid range two, which I just thought was cool because it reminded me of, of kind of second year. RJ, where he was allowed to take that shot and kind of encouraged to coming out of pistol actions where which the Knicks don't really run for him quite as much anymore, I think. Um, but it was it was fun, fun seeing him at that. And then there was this really cool play, right, where, where him and Kelly Olenek were running a little dribble handoff. But it was more than that. It, it wasn't stagnant. Olenek sprinted into it. RJ met him uh, curling around the three-point line. Um, and Olenek handed it off and just kind of stuck his butt out to act as a little bit of a screen. RJ got this head start going to the rim. That's what we always talk about with RJ, right? How can you, how can you simplify things for him? It, it was, uh, Amin El Hassan was actually talking about this um, on the Knicks fan TV show, which is of course awesome. Salute to CP. Um, and he was saying like where RJ gets into trouble is when he tries to do star stuff, but when he's functioning within his grander offensive context um, and, and being kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, a system player. I know that has sort of a bad connotation, but to me, the, the connotation there is that um, he's, he's letting his coach work for him and he's letting his coach help him out and create easier shots for him. Like that's when we see RJ at his best, I think. And, 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 and it ultimately boils down to simplified decision-making, right? When, when, when Tibbs, or in this case, um, I think uh, the Canadian coaches, Jorge Gutierrez, I want to say, um, is drawing something up for him that gets in the ball on the move. Like RJ, doesn't have to do too much, right? It's, it's, it's catch it, attack, finish. Simple, simple, simple. His athletic gifts take over, and it was a really nice play. I'm wondering if he can do that a bit with the Knicks. 
Um, Isaiah Hardenstein showed off a little bit of that kind of game later in the season, the ability to be a little bit mobile with the basketball. Obviously, he's not quite as fluid with the ball as Olenek is, who's always been kind of a perimeter, create from their big. That's not totally Hardenstein's game, but I'm, I'm hoping that the Knicks um, have thought about this and have kind of emphasized that to Hardenstein, particularly with no Obi Toppin, who was, who was always sort of the one big on this roster who embraced dribble handoff actions, but it's, it's more powerful when it comes from the center because as RJ um, said earlier this tournament, then the paint is wide open. Um, and Julius Randle could do it too, but he would have to be playing the five most likely. And that might not happen um, in our lifetimes with Tom Thibodeau, maybe, maybe in an alternate universe, one, one in a trillion. Um, there was another play where he hit a three staring down Walker Kessler. That was cool. It was just, just a really confident shot from a couple of times when Austin Reeves was on him and RJ just, just sort of babied him. And, and unfortunately for Austin Reeves, who is just a spectacular offensive talent. I can't emphasize enough that, that Reeves, I expect him at some point in his career to be a 22 to 25 point scorer in the NBA. Like he, he, like if he, if he gets the volume, he, he is that, that good on offense, but man, he got babied at points defensively in this tournament. RJ was more than willing to do it. Um, RJ at one point missed a wide open three, but got a rebound and and went right at Reeves on the next possession um, for a big two, going right through to make it 198 Canada. And then Josh Hart um, answered a few possessions later with a um, cut to the basket for a two. And then RJ just came back and hit a massive, massive three. So it was a really, really nice showing for RJ. Again, a iconic moment in his career. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he heading into next season, like how much of this translates? I think the biggest thing is just confidence, right? That That is generally what guys take from FIBA and the fact that he, he always gets off to slow starts. And if nothing else, he should be in fantastic shape and rhythm because of this play. I, I think that'll be the single biggest thing in terms of changes to his game. I don't know if I noticed a lot. I think there, there've been high highs with him and, and the shooting is good. It's hard to tell how much to take away from um, the shorter line and also him just getting, maybe even more open and I would say less pressure shots on, on team Canada than he gets for the Knicks, but there's a lot of good stuff. He's been really good attacking the basket, really good finishing around the rim. I'm, I'm just super excited to see him play again. And, and I hope um, he kind of combines like the aggressiveness and shot making from Canada and, and the athleticism we've seen from team Canada um, and, and, and kind of the unselfishness he found um, in the playoffs for team USA. All right, we are going to step aside one more time. And when we come back, we are talking um, Josh Hart and um, everything that he can do. And, and also Jalen Brunson, what to expect from both of them heading into next season on the New York Knicks. All right, um, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. We already we already kind of got into Jalen. Um, again, it wasn't, it wasn't the tournament you want from him. I, I guess I said I was going to give grades. So, um let's say B plus for RJ for Jalen. It was, it was probably a C I would say I, I was expecting more for him. I thought he was, and, and I said as much, I think a few episodes ago that he, he was just going to have a moment in this tournament where he hit um, like a crazy, crazy shot, right. Or, or, or scored six to 10 points in a row to carry the U S to victory. And he didn't really get that chance because Anthony Edwards was the guy generally dominating end of possession moments for the U S but, I um, mean, this game had a chance at a three and OT. He was cold off the bench, ultimately couldn't do it um, and, and just didn't get an opportunity to be a closer. Do, do I think that has any bearing on what he does for the Knicks um, this year? Nah, I don't think so. I, I, I think I think he is going to be uh, just fine um, in terms of his ability to close out games. 
Um, I, I think the only question is like, obviously Anthony Edwards for a reason kind of became the alpha on this team. And, and that's sort of the only question left for Jalen Brunson. Like he's an alpha. Is he an alpha in a conference semifinals? We, we saw that happen. Is he, can he be the alpha in a conference finals? Can he be the alpha in an NBA finals? That's probably a step too far. And we maybe saw why in this tournament, that's a step too far. And why he's even behind, like I, I did player rankings this summer, someone like Shea Gilgis Alexander by just a little bit, um, even though he's proven in the playoffs and SGA hasn't. So that could just be an overreaction on my part to FIBA. Um, but again, that's why if you're the Knicks and you find a way to get someone like Joel Embiid, I do think that's the perfect balance for him. Because if you have someone who can anchor a team throughout a game and, and throughout a series, just with physicality and, and the ability to be kind of an overwhelming force offensively in terms of physicality, Jalen can supplement that with, with shot making in the, in, I guess the volcano of the playoffs, right? Like, like that heated, that heated forge. I know I'm mixing analogies here, but my point is he can get it done in the hardest moments, the most difficult moments with the defense focusing in on him. I just, I don't know if he could sustain that for four rounds and you need a great defender behind him because he is going to get targeted defensively, but Joel Embiid kind of, kind of checks that box. So I could, I could see that being a pretty darn good duo. Make it happen. Knicks. Um, heart, heart was really good. Um, didn't play defense as, as well as I would have hoped uh, throughout this tournament, but it's also, it seems like it's just really hard to defend in FIBA. Guy, guys are guys are ultra, ultra confident um, playing on other teams. And and the three-point line is, again, shorter. Um, I did like that Hart, again, looked really confident hitting a wide-open three in this game. Again, the shorter line might have played a role in that, but still really good to see. I hate to say it, but I, I, I couldn't help but think watching this. Game. Tyrese Halliburton, such a dream running mate um, for Josh Hart with, with his ability to just um, – throw picture-perfect pinpoint outlets and the fact that he's always looking for it. Not to say Brunson isn't, because Brunson and Quickly both make that pass too. But man, him and him and Halliburton would be a dream together. And he, he just made some great plays late. And I expect all that to translate to the Knicks. All right, that's it for this one, guys. We will talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks, reviewing some um, athletic power rankings. I promise we will finally get to the Giannis episode this week. But until then, I'm Gavin Shaw. Peace out.